I'd like to welcome our listeners to the Bolus Beat podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bolus. The Bolus Company is Northern New England's largest commercial real estate services firm with offices in Portland, Maine and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We've been selling and leasing real estate in Maine and New Hampshire since 1975. This podcast is designed to provide insight into Maine's business movers and shakers. On today's podcast, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Bob Garver, owner, president of Wicked Joe Organic Coffees. Based in Topsom, Maine and employing over 40 people, Wicked Joe sells its organic brand of coffees in all 50 states. Not bad for a company located in a small Maine town. Bob's wife, Carmen, is not only his partner in life, but also a partner in the business. According to Bob, she is essential to its success. Bob and Carmen are also blessed with three daughters, Maggie, who is 22, Elizabeth, who is 21, and Frankie, who is 19. What most of our audience doesn't know is that Wicked Joe owns the very popular Bard Coffee located on Middle Street in Portland with a second location soon to open. In addition, the audience likely doesn't know that Bob is a former world champion barista. So welcome, Bob. How long ago were you a champion um, barista? To be clear, I was never a champion barista, but I was very fortunate to be able to judge as a head judge for the United States Barista Championships and also as a sensory judge for the World Barista Championships, I had the opportunity to taste and experience the very best uh, that, that the finest baristas in the world had to offer. So very, very lucky in those experiences. But you, but you must know what you're doing. Uh, yes, I would say I know what I'm doing. So. Fair enough. Um, you went into the United States Military Academy at West Point, is that correct? I did. And, and went, then went into the Army. I did. And when you were in the Army, you were stationed in Turkey, I believe. I was stationed in Turkey, and amongst other places. Isn't that where you first became interested in coffee, and how did that all come about? I think it was really where I began, un, unknowingly probably, uh, this love affair that I've had for coffee ever since, uh, or with coffee. And I uh, worked with officers and soldiers from the Turkish army. And I would meet with them. And uh, these meetings would always begin, at least weekly, if not more, these meetings would always begin with either coffee or chai, which is tea, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and particularly coffee. And early on, in the first few times I met, uh, I had full days scheduled and I was always in a hurry. And I sat down with my uh, peers and we would have coffee. And this would draw out a bit. And I, uh, in, in the first few times that we did this, uh, I was a bit frustrated because I didn't get the dance that was happening. Um, I was there to get things done and to, and to communicate uh, a message and also to, to uh, collaborate and whatnot. But what we were doing was building relationships. And so and that I, takes time. And it takes time. So after the first or second time, I understood this and I respected the cultural differences really there where a lot of Americans are grabbing coffee on the go. And I, I learned uh, very quickly, I, I I just blocked out my schedule for the day and because I was going to be there for a while. And as time went on, I really came to enjoy these times where we would sit and have coffee and get to know each other. And uh, it was very 
quickly I recognized the, how much value there was in that because I, now I got to know these people in a way that I wouldn't have mm. otherwise. We're talking about our families and friends the way people have coffee. And uh, as time went on, I was able to, to make a phone call and get something done like that that would have taken somebody else a week to get done because of all the red tape and whatnot. I could say, hey, Tamen John, I need this. And, they, and, and he would say, no problem, Bob, we'll get it done. So I really came to understand how valuable investing in that time and relationship was in that culture that happens over coffee so often. And, um, and it changed me. It really, and that really probably began a deeper understanding for just the importance of relationships, not only interpersonally, but in terms of just work and whatnot. And you were a captain in the army at that point. I was a captain in the army, yes. And, and, but it was just invaluable. I loved it. I came to look forward to those, to the times we sat down and had coffee. That was one of the things that really attracted me about coffee was really being a part of that ritual that people have. You know, that people like to gather and have coffee at our shop in Portland, for instance, that, you, that I see you at occasionally. Um, and, Understatement. Uh, daily. Uh, and, uh, but we, uh, you know, we're really uh, happy and grateful to be able to, to participate in that ritual that people have, that they get to share their coffee with other folks, or they get to sit and have contemplative time on their own. Uh, Whatever it is, that's a grounding moment for a lot of people in their day when they have their coffee. You know, it's just a, it's an important small ritual, but it's meaningful to people. And Bob, you started a coffee business in Santa Cruz, California. What was the name of the company there, and why did you sell it? You were a coffee roaster in California. I was. Uh, I believe you closed on the sale back in 2003. We'd been out there for a little over a decade, uh, my wife and partner Carmen and I. Um, and we had a, 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 a similar kind of a setup. We had a little coffee shop up in a mountain town uh, near in the Redwoods outside of Santa Cruz. And, uh, and then we had a, a wholesale coffee roasting business in Santa Cruz proper and um, really loved that business. But, um, but we decided for really for family reasons that we wanted to move back east. Both uh, Carmen and I are from the northeast. And so we decided to make a change that was really predicated on that, on what was best for our family, not, wasn't really a business decision. So the question became, where do we wanna, where do we wanna move to? We had a very happy life in Santa Cruz. Um, it's a cool community and uh, beach, beach community. And so, you know, where ultimately we, we had both had magic experiences in Maine as kids and we thought about where, where would be the place that our kids could have magic in their lives every day. We had three daughters that were all born there. So you sold the business in uh, California, and your father really was a motivating factor in getting you back here. He was. He didn't know it at the time, but he was. Uh, my dad was getting older. I probably haven't shared this with many people, but I had taken my dad to the airport at the beginning of December. He had been visiting us for Thanksgiving, and when I took him to the airport in San Jose, he, uh, he had asked for a wheelchair uh, to, to help him get to the gate. And I was, 
uh, probably not emotionally ready to see that. And uh, so I was waving goodbye to him and, uh, and I'm driving back over the hill from San Jose to Santa Cruz and on my way to the office. And uh, I got back to the office and probably opened up the yellow pages and called a business broker to find out, you know, I'm thinking I got to get closer to my dad so that we can drive there. And we ended up uh, uh, selling that. It happened very quickly and moving to Maine. And that was the start of December. And we had closed on the business by February. We, you know, we, we had offers before Christmas. That was and quick. It was incredibly quick for a business sale. Yeah. You probably know that usually takes a long time. It was probably maybe less than three weeks later, they had listed the business. And within a day, we had multiple offers. Incredible. And now all of a sudden, we had to decide. We very quickly arrived at Maine again because we in terms of where we wanted to go because we thought that might not be the best climate or the best biggest market or the place to build a big business or something which we really didn't want to but can we have a good life and um and we thought that this was the place to do that and where we wanted our kids to grow up and and we've never looked back we've we've uh we're grateful for the community that we joined here so you moved to brunswick or you opened up your show, uh, our, store in Brunswick. Our roastery, uh, we have a wholesale roasting business in Brunswick. Um, and then, you know, uh, uh, we were probably there for a little over a decade. And then we moved to uh, from there to Topsom, where we were very happy in Brunswick. Uh, and now we're very happy in Topsom. We've seen our business grow. When we came here, we, we were convinced that we were going to simplify our lives and that we'd have a little business and, and whatnot, but the life throws things at you and we've changed, you know, our, our course has changed a bit, and, but we're very proud of what, we're, what we've built. We've got an amazing team, and I don't know that we could have built that team in, a, in another place. You know, the, the, the quality of the people in Maine, the people that we work with, the people that we deal with, um, it's, uh, we're very fortunate. In, in, in landing, even in a smaller town in Maine, Brunswick and Topsom, which we sort of see as, as, as a larger community for us. And, uh, and then in Portland, it's just one of the best cities in the world. So when you um, opened or took the building in Brunswick, did you buy that or lease it? But I know you renovated it. Uh, well, it's interesting. We, we bought the building and uh, as a commercial real estate guy, uh, which I think you do obviously yeah. quite a bit of. We had done that. We had, uh, we had purchased our building in Santa Cruz and we were still, we had an income property then when we left, we had rented it to our, to the guy, people who bought our business and our, or leased it to them. And so we had some experience with that and we ended up purchasing that building and it was a very big building. We took the very worst part of the building for ourselves and leased out the rest of the building and that really helped us to get going. And uh, what was the address? It was uh, 78 Water Street in Brunswick, right down in Brunswick by the bike path. Uh, it, it was a lovely spot. We were very happy there. Um, but like a lot of businesses, as we grew, we took over more of the space and whatnot. Sure. And we got into looking at renovation and um, we started looking at the cost of doing that. And maybe we could, maybe it'd be better for us to move to a different uh, location. Um, which we then did, uh, which was across the river in Topsom. 
What about, what about deer season before we get Oh, I'm sorry. When we were starting to get the business going, uh, we're ta taking a long time. We wanted our facility to be certified organic before we opened. That was always uh, uh, a critical part of how we saw our the business we wanted to grow. So we're, we're fitting out the building. And this took quite some time because we're trying to get tenants in there as well as our own business. But yeah, I think it was... Uh, we're trying to get electricians in and you know there's you have to you have to do this and you can't do the sheetrock until you've done this and you can't right. do the next thing until you've done that and uh, so we're ready to do the electric and they're saying or as i recall it was the electric and and they're saying oh well it's deer season that was a cultural thing for us where uh, the folks that we were working with could not come in and do it because they were uh, hunting and, deer hunting deer and that was our first interaction with it because it 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 ground everything to a halt when we hit those moments where the the things that are important to Mainers kind of and I we like the way that that folks prioritized uh their lives over their work when you talk about organic coffee what as a layperson what what is organic uh and well, I hear that organic everything right but really what does it mean well uh, well, there are a lot of layers to organic. So obviously we're tracing coffee from, from origin uh, where we visit and, and collaborate and partner with, with farmers. And, and, uh, so in Central America, South America? Central America, uh, Africa, uh, Southeast Asia, where we source our coffees and we, uh, we visit and collaborate with partners in all of those places, but, um, which is one of the most joyful parts of the job. But, but back to the question about organic, you know, ultimately the definition is that no uh, synthetic or chemical uh, fertilizers or pesticides or anything touches the coffee when it's being grown. The coffee is being grown very near to the way it, you know, products and plants were grown centuries ago. Conventional coffee, is one of the most heavy, heavily chemically treated products in the world. They just sp spray it and use a lot of fertilizers and chemicals to make the, the yields larger and to make it grow faster. Quality coffees develop more slowly and gain complexity by, by, by that journey. But uh, it's, 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 so it doesn't contribute to quality, but it contributes to yields and profits for larger businesses. We're focused, all of our purchasing, we're focused either working with, with champion farmers on small farms that live at the top of the mountain or through uh, organic and fair trade cooperatives for the larger lots of coffee that support small farmers. If you know how heavily treated coffee is relative to other products, you know, you know and, the, and the, the things that are allowed to be used on plants in other parts of the world versus what, what would be used in America in conventional farming is very different. So, so the impact of coffee is particularly, is particularly meaningful in terms of not using those bad uh, inputs into the, into the soil, the communities, and into the coffee. And when you consider how huge coffee is and how big coffee production is in the world, it's arguably often the first or second after oil, one of the top traded futures and commodities in the world, coffee.
it's a it's a it's a huge short for you're talking about tens of millions or more of people that that earn their hundreds of millions of people that that are connected to coffee and as a, as a as a source of income for their families and um, and so doing it right using best practice which is we believe that it's always best practice if you cannot use pump bad things into the soil and into the community that are going to harm people um, we feel it's better not to do that so um, so the impact of of growing coffee organically is 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 far greater in coffee than it is in many other products as well. And you actually go and visit these farmers, who you call your partners. We do, yes. Um, we, we, we've, you know, like, I think, I think there are many coffee companies that are, that are modeled like us, but yes, we're very fortunate that we get to do that. Um, and we've, uh, and through that, those experiences, we've built some uh, very rich and meaningful relationships with folks. Uh, and we're always looking to, to make new partners as we grow and, um, and trying to find ways to work together that are uh, mu mutually beneficial without Bertilio and Antonio and uh, Ben, Ben Hameen, or any of the folks that we work with, our business doesn't work without them. And hopefully they also you know their business is better for for the relationships with us, and so uh, at least that's the that's the objective, the goal. So you, you moved from Brunswick to Topsom. Mm -hmm. When you produced your first box of coffee and you saw Wicked Joe on the side, what was that feeling like? You know, it was great, uh, but you know it's interesting because the first box of coffee in the early days, uh, I'm reminded of of going to uh, Morning Glory, who was an early customer of ours, and Carmen and I would dumpster dive in their recycle bin for boxes because we couldn't afford our own boxes that said Wicked Joe. So our mail order shipments or stuff that we would bring people in a box would, would often be in a Doc Bronner's box or a, you know, some, some box, you know, that, that we had fished out of the recycling bin. We'd find boxes that were the right size and whatnot, and they were supportive of us, and they probably got a kick out of the fact that they'd see us in there. Um, but uh, Did you help Carmen yeah. get into the dumpster? I think she, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I did, actually. That's funny that you should say that, because she was probably more nimble than me in those days. Um, but uh, um, we would go and do that. And so, uh, interestingly, we did at some point have boxes that had our our logo on it made and that was a number of years later but that was it's interesting that's such a big moment it's like where where you're seeing your name on a box like that and you're like wow like i never thought we'd have our own boxes and uh that, that was pretty pretty big moment but that came years later uh in the early days we're we were true recyclers, you know, we were using, so now we look at our boxes and we're hoping that folks are doing the same thing and reusing those boxes the way we, we always had uh, yes, used now, now you're in 50 states. We're uh, distributed in all 50 states and, and uh, we're very proud of that. We're, uh, we hope to be great ambassadors for the state of Maine now. Um, we're a, a company that kind of, we've, we've admired other companies that were able to, to sort of promote Maine and the the values of Maine that we that I talked about before. Um, does, does it say made in Maine on the boxes? Uh, 
You know, I'm not sure it says that on the boxes, but it says it on every bag we have. And, um, and, and so on the product that the consumer sees, it says it on every box. We're very proud of uh, on every bag that the consumer sees. But uh, you know, I'm not sure if it says it on the boxes or not. But I, I well, can maybe we should dumpster dive I can tell after you, this interview when we check it out. I can tell you that we are going to, yeah, we can do that. That'd be fun. Um, I'm dressed for it. You're not. Uh, <laughs> so you'll have to help me into the dumpster. But we will, uh, but that's uh, interesting. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go look at the boxes and make sure we put that on there if, it, if it's not. Now you started, uh, you and Carmen started Bard Coffee on Middle Street in 2009. Mm -hmm. You'll soon open up another location. We are planning Can you tell spot. us about that? Bard Coffee is a place that we're able to interact directly with our community, serve coffee exactly as we, as we see fit, and tea, because we're now sourcing and, and producing our own teas. And uh, so that's our place that we can connect directly, whereas at the wholesale level, we're selling to folks like Morning Glory and others that we're grateful for. But but they get the joy of interacting directly with the customer. Right. This is a place where we get that, that immediate feedback and gratification, hopefully, or, or otherwise, that helps us to become better and to better serve our wholesale customers. But we're at Bard Coffee. Uh, we're very proud of that business. And as over time, um, we have, we, we, we've approached that business the same way. What's best practice? We focus on quality, on obviously hoping to, to create a great experience for folks to enjoy their ritual. And, um, and so we've had over the years a lot of opportunities to grow and expand that business. Um, we've, we've been very careful about that because we wanted to find the right place and to make sure that we were really ready to do that. Um, that the goal hasn't really been growth. It's been we want to be a great company, not a giant company. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been fortunate to have growth by trying to be a great company. We've had the opportunities for growth. This is a thing that we've been working on probably for about five years. We're gonna be in the Four Points Marina area that's being uh, uh, yeah. built now. Are you gonna be in the Sun Life building? We are gonna be in the Sun Life building on the ground floor there. Uh, we're gonna be on the plaza. Um, and we hope that that uh, is a a wonderful new neighborhood uh, like East Bayside or Washington Street or, or so many of the neighborhoods in Portland that have come alive really. Um, and, uh, and so we're very excited because that particular area, and I used to walk the Eastern Prom and, and look at the, the buildings there that were basically crumbling mm -hmm. and think, wow, this is such a great area. Wouldn't it be neat if, because you couldn't even go in there, it was dangerous. Yes. And, uh, effectively red tagged most of it. And, uh, and so to see that area where, where no one's being displaced, you know, but the community will have another wonderful place to, to enjoy Portland, to be outside uh, and, um, and for businesses to go in and thrive and, and hopefully opportunities for folks to create jobs uh, like us that we'll be able to, to, to improve jobs and create jobs for the folks that work for us, uh, new people. And uh, we're thrilled uh, to be a, to be able to be a part of that, and um, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be opening up there next summer, sometime summer of 2022. You know, I, I as you know, I go to Bard Coffee mm -hmm. quite often, several times a day. I mean, a few years ago, you went from bagged tea 
you know, which was served pretty quickly, mm -hmm. to uh, a different type of tea, which needed to steep. Mm -hmm. And what was the motivation for doing that? The, the, the tea is great, by the way. It takes longer to get. It is. Uh, you know, it uh, takes time to make things that are really uh, extraordinary. So I think that we, uh, we, our crew was always very invested in, in investing of themselves in preparing coffee at, at, at the highest level. Um, you know, we feel a responsibility, frankly, because we know our coffee farmers. So we talk about the responsibility we have to our customers who come in to the shop. And, and every day they come in, a person like you comes in and, and wants a, a tea in your case. And how important it is that we treat you with respect and, and gratitude for you coming in um, because we have a responsibility. We've, we've told our customers that if you, if you come to us and you, and you give us your business, that we're going to, we're going to give you, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, we're human beings, but it won't be because if we're not, it won't be because we didn't try hard enough. And, um, but we feel the same way and we talk to our staff about the responsibility we have on the other side to respect the work of all the people in the supply chain that, that worked hard to give us coffee that had the potential to be this good. And if we don't invest of ourselves in doing everything we can to make that coffee shine, we're not really respecting the work of the farmers like Bertilio or Antonio or Ben Amin that I spoke of before and many, many others. So we see a responsibility both on both sides and, and just respecting the work of those folks means we're gonna serve it at the highest level. And when we talked about tea, I realized that they weren't, they have nicknames. Antonio Domingo Cotto, one of our Guatemalan farmers, they call Tony D. Our staff has visited them. They have nicknames for these fa coffee farmers. We weren't connected the same way to our tea producers. And I, and I realized that. I said, okay, like, because I'm thinking, why, why, why are we willing to invest this much time to respect the coffee but not the tea? Well, we weren't involved all the way. We're involved in coffee from the beginning uh, we collaborate with farmers on the varieties that they're going to grow and whatnot. We're very close with them. And we, I realized, okay, if I want this to happen with a tea, we need to, we need to follow the same model as we do with coffee. So those changes happened when, uh, and, and I made uh, with two of my daughters, Maggie being one of them, we went to China and visited our first tea producers and started sourcing. This was five years ago or more. We started sourcing our first teas, and um, and that now we're connected. We know the folks that are growing it. We're visiting them, and uh, uh, we've uh, visited partners in India and uh, and Nepal and Africa now, and uh, and so the tea is now following the same model. But now that trickles down to our baristas who are very well-trained and very proud and, and, and really an impressive, impressive bunch of, of young people. And, uh, and so they're, I think, you know, respecting the tea in the way we talk about respecting the work of the coffee farmers, we're now focusing on respecting the tea. We take a lot more time. 
We're sourcing our teas ourselves. All of our teas now are, we're sourcing, blending, mixing, doing everything. This has been a gradual process. So we were doing this long before we communicated it to people so that we were learning. And, uh, and we're now fully into that. And, um, and uh, that's the change in tea. And we look forward to really expanding on and sharing that story more. It's been hard to communicate that through COVID as we've, as we've really uh, taken more steps in that journey uh, because we're serving uh, take it, you know, through the window at Bard. We can't wait to open up and have folks coming in. And, and uh, we're going to have an opportunity down at our new place to have a, a, an expanded tea offering and really share that journey with people. Uh, how did, what's the genesis of the name Bard? Well, you know, uh, I think that from my perspective, we always saw uh, the Bards. Uh, obviously, the most notable, the Bard, is refers to in most people's mind to Shakespeare. Uh, I always felt uh, uh, that that was a, a, a great name for our business because we really saw ourselves, and we say it uh, in a lot of our literature and on our website and whatnot, there's a story in every cup. And we felt like the bards traditionally in certain cultures were the, were the storytellers. They would tell the great deeds of the chieftains and the... And the and of the clan or whatever. Uh, and uh, they recorded the history. And so we loved, not only wanted to tell the stories of, of our farmers and who they are and where the coffee's coming from, which I think folks are hungry for these days, uh, pun intended, yeah. uh, but, but also the stories that happen over coffee that have nothing to do with coffee, which is really, you know, when people are talking and sharing a cup of coffee. So we always like the idea of a story in every cup. So a story in every cup is kind of your, your logo or your, you ought to put that on the cups too. You so know, we're gonna, we're, get, take, we're gonna take care of the boxes, we're gonna take care of the cups. Am I gonna have to pay you for the <laughs> consulting here? Because we're getting, we'll we'll get a lot of good ideas We'll here. talk later. Um, good. Well, here's, an, here's a question for you. While most coffee shops opened up as soon as they could once the initial surge of the pandemic subsided, and by the way, we're taping this in October where the Delta is still pretty strong, you chose to open but only serve coffee through the window of your building, which overlooks Tommy's Park on Middle Street in Portland. Why not open up like everybody else? You know, these are, I think, very difficult decisions for all businesses. Um, this has hurt us for sure. Our, you know, we're, we're, the window feels very busy, but the truth is our, you know, our, we've been, we're not as busy as we were right. and would be if and we still opened, have rent to pay. And if we opened inside, yeah. we, we'd be more bu busier. But um, ultimately, um, I'll say that as a B Corp, we, we certainly say that we're going to, to put the needs of our stakeholders first, our coffee farmers. So we have honored every commitment to every partner that we've had. Uh, and then some, uh, you know, our own, our staff. Uh, at the coffee shop, that's customer facing. And so, you know, and, and, and environmentally, we're, we're investing more through all this. We've managed to invest and continue to work on the things because I think it's a true sign of who you are when things are bad or hard. 
not when it's easy to do these things. So we've yeah. really tried to focus on, on staying true to who we are through the hardest of times. And this was a, these are difficult decisions because you're, we're wanting to make sure that we can keep everybody on staff and, 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 and also provide that, that smiling face and be the people need that through they need to to have a place to go so initially like most businesses we closed to take stock of what was going on completely and then when we we, we at, at a certain point probably you know uh, a, a month a couple months later we reopened only through the windows we built the windows on the park on tommy's park and um we've had some pressure to reopen inside financially and otherwise in the end, Greg, uh, we uh, we want to we say we're going to put the interests of our staff, uh, our paramount, um, and we've tried to tried to stay true to that. And so every step of the way, we've talked to our staff. Um, at some point, we'll open up on the inside and find a way to to make it work, but we feel like we want to make sure that we're always prioritizing the safety of our staff and the community. Bob, when you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned third place concept. And tell me again about that. What is that all about? Well, I, I, it's probably been a long time since I first came, became aware of that term. I'm thinking decades. But the idea of a third place, I think, is that Folks have traditionally had two places or three places where they'd be at work and at home. And then having a third place, which in some historically might have been church or you know, culturally, right, where people would have another place that they could go and, 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 and interact with their community or whatnot. So that would be an example. And that's one of the things that really turns us on about about Bard in particular and why we're excited to open another shop that may have a, a more room for folks to gather and, and meet. You know, based on my conversations with you, it seems like you really do value your employees. Uh, you know, every business person says that all, all the time. Um, oftentimes it's just platitudes, but I really get a sense you really care about them on a personal level. We do. We really have uh, respect and affection for our staff members, uh, both at our roasting uh, plant and at, at our retail at Bard. Um, we think they're fantastic. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it's, it's the part of the job that can be the most vexing at times, but it's also the part that brings the most joy. And so we see our responsibility as trying to steer the ship in a way that's gonna create opportunity for everybody at this point to provide positive impact and it all starts in the end with them. But our staff members are the, are, are, are the relationships in our view that, that, we, uh, that we care most about because they're the ones that are most dependent upon, upon our leadership and management for their own outcomes for their lives and their families. You said that you start every day at Bard Coffee, yet you live in the mid-coast area. I do. So you drive, what, 45 minutes down to Bard, get your coffee? For me, enjoying coffee the way my customers do and having that ritual 
is a critical thing. So I start on Bailey Island, I drive down to Portland, it allows me to collect my thoughts and to, to get my get in the game for the day. And, uh, and then I get down to Portland, and I have great coffee, and I get to see these smiling faces. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked about, well, because I do travel a lot to, to uh, internationally and also nationally, COVID aside. But um, every time I go on a trip, um, other than seeing Carmen and my, my children, uh, the thing I look forward to the most is seeing is my ritual, which is really seeing the people. <laughs> so when you open up your second location down on the waterfront, you're going to split your time or you're going to have two shots of espresso and two cups of coffee? You know, it's funny because I've been doing this now at the, with our trailer that's down there. So we've had a trailer down there. So if I'm down there, I'll go, and the trailer's open, has been, it's closed now, but it has been open, you know, three or four days a week down there. And uh, yeah, when, on the days the trailer's open, I'll start at the shop and then head down there and, uh, and uh, check in with the staff there. Um, uh, they don't need me to operate those businesses. I need them. Uh, I need the experience like, like our customers kind of. I'm, I'm in that zone right now. I just enjoy seeing them and, and, and interacting. But um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I will. What, what I started doing is a friend of mine uh, in coffee, her name is Trish, and she's just uh, a fantastic, but she sort of, I think, coined a, uh, a number of coffee terms, but she calls it a splitty where you split the shot and uh, so I'm having a splitty where I can, I can drink half of the shot and, and the staff member can have the other half, so we're tasting the same thing. Mm. Um, and, but now it, it also helps me to, to limit my consumption a little bit. So I can do, so I'm, I'm, I'm imagining having a splitty here and a splitty there and then sipping on some coffee in both places yeah. and, and I'll still have the same amount of coffee every day. Sounds like a good plan. It's a good plan, sure. Bob, just a couple more questions for you. Um, for entrepreneurs out there, and there are many in Maine, and they have a great idea and they want to build a business around it, any advice you'd give to somebody just starting out? Uh, I'll preface this by saying, uh, you know, you've got to follow your own heart, hear uh, inputs from everybody, uh, and, uh, and we're still learning. We're uh, evolving and learning. We'll always be learning. Um, so I certainly don't have all the answers. We've had uh, a lot of stumbles along the way, like you'll have, uh, recognize that. But, but finding a thing that you can be passionate about or, or learning to be, like, like, like we're very passionate about what we do. That's not to say that there aren't days that you go in, in any business you're gonna go in and go, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I've gotta do this today. It's not all like that, and you know, uh, but, but I know how excited you must feel when you connect somebody with the right space that's gonna help them build their business or improve their lives or the lives of their staff. Just coming into this place today um, is, uh, is remarkable. Seeing these main businesses, you get to participate in that. And that, you know, I, I can only imagine how great that feels when it works right. That's how we feel. Find something that you can feel that way about and then you gotta do not be deterred by, by you're, gonna, you're gonna fail. It's not always gonna go right. right. And you gotta believe in yourself 
and you've got to commit to this thing that you're doing. And, uh, and if you do that, and I've been lucky to have a partner. Uh, I love my wife deeply, uh, the way hopefully everybody feels about their life partner. But uh, as, as far as our business is concerned, we've gone through some real challenges together. It's made us stronger, but I'm very fortunate to have a partner that is brave and, um, and supportive of, of a lot of these crazy ideas that I might have and, and is in it. And, and, and so we've been able to commit together to build, to build our, our lives and our business and I think that's a critical element. I think a lot of folks go in thinking this is going to be easy, and, um, and it's not. Find something you love doing, commit to it, treat people well, work hard, and get lucky. And have a passion. Passion. Yeah, I, 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 would, I echo everything you say, and I just say on passion. If you don't have a passion for what you do, it's very difficult to get up every morning and come into the coffee shop, the office, or whatever, mm -hmm. and do it consistently, unless yeah. you have a passion for it. You're right, and it is. I like, like it's one of the, I don't know what the cliche is about, if you love what you do, you don't, you don't work a day in your life or something, whatever that thing is. But, you know, you're a great example, Greg. You're, you know, I know what you like to drink, and I can't wait to share something new that we've got uh, just for you. Um, but, uh, you know, I get to meet people like you, um, and, and develop, uh, friendships and, and relationships with folks that are customers of ours. That's how we've met. And, uh, and it's, uh, you know, uh, this is a great example of, of kind of what, what you get when you, when you throw yourself into something, uh, you're passionate about it, other passionate people. I think passionate people are attracted to other passionate people and, uh, and so it's probably not an accident that I love what I do and you love what you do and we like each other, we you know, because we throw ourselves into, into the people we work with and, and our tasks. Well, I think that's a great place to, to end our interview. And Bob, a great, uh, great conversation. I really appreciate your, your joining us here. Bob Gaber, thanks so much. Thank you, Greg. Thanks. You can learn more about Wicked Joe at the company's website, which is www.wickedjoe.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at Wicked Joe Coffee. And if you'd like to learn more about the Bolus Company, please be sure to visit us at www.bolus.com. You can also find us at the Bolus Company on Facebook and at LinkedIn, and at the Bolus Co. on Instagram and Twitter. And lastly, if you want to know the secret to owning real estate, it's pretty simple. Just be sure to outlive your debt. Mm -hmm.